What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Orange Slices. We are your hosts, Heath Pierce, Mark McKenzie. Mark, what is going on, man? Give me an update on your life. You guys, you guys are playing games. Is there a, is, is there movement in the table for you? Uh, you know, what's going on? No, nah, man. We just came off a crazy, crazy dub against Antwerp. You know, we uh, down 1-0 or down 2-1, going to 60-something minute. Came back, 3-2 dub. So, you know, big win. Now we, we move up to second. Uh, Bruges and Anderlecht, they tied. So Anderlecht stays tied with, with Antwerp for, for third and fourth. Bruges is now, the gap is closing. So we got Bruges on Friday. Big match, you know, could turn things, you know, for, for, for our favor, you know, in our favor. So, yeah, man, exciting, exciting. This, guy, this guy's like, you're, you're like an analyst, you know what I mean? Like giving me the rundown of the table. I like that. This guy's watching intently, you know what I mean? Like listen, man. giving us play-by-play like, play, live updates of, of, of the playoff table. Listen, man, this is, this is, how, this is my, next, my next pathway, man. My next career, you know what I'm saying? And I got to yeah. sit up in my chair, you know, get, get get cranked. I like that. I like that. So, you know, obviously, you know, you guys will hear a few things with our, our guest this week, Alejandro Bedoya. We uh, recorded this during during Champions League. So you hear a few random things that you'll be like, hey, that doesn't that didn't happen today because uh, it was uh, the day before. So um, but Alejandro, uh, obviously, old old teammate of mine with the national team teammate of yours, mentor for you. Um, we'll find out more what kind of uh, leader he was in your eyes, in his <laughs> eyes. You know, we'll get to the bottom of a few things, but that was a fun conversation with him. No, a great conversation. And he even taps into this, this ongoing debate about pace or, athletic, I don't know, some, some uh, athleticism debate. I don't know. Listen, I'm not going to spoil it for everyone uh, because I, you know, um, I thought that I would, I th- it's because I haven't played with him in a long time that I feel like he's probably <laughs> missing out on the full context of, of how he never got past me for, for pace um, and most recently played with you. But before we give a, a too many teasers, this is our conversation with uh, Alejandro Bedoya. All right, so let's welcome in our newest guest, a veteran of the Swedish League, Scottish Premiership, and League 1, a two-time Gold Cup winner with the U.S. Men's National Team, and most recently led the Philadelphia Union to the 2020 MLS Supporters' Shield with our guy, Mark McKenzie. It's our man and uh, former captain, Alejandro, or our former captain, actually, uh, your former (laughs) captain, uh, Alejandro Bedoya. What's up, Ali? How are you, man? What's happening? I like how you pronounce the uh, league, uh, you know, it's nice. Like <laughs> down know, day and you, nights. <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah, you know, uh, uh, petit, uh, peu, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lean in, man. You gotta lean in, you know, uh, no, it's like, it's quality. like, it's like when people say Liga MX or they say Liga MX, you know, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go in on it. You know, it's, it shows culture. It shows immersion. It shows that you got uh, a diverse group of friends, or at least you're trying to find a diverse group of friends. So I'm all about that. For sure. I know you're as diverse as they come. Well traveled. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, you know, let's start off the top with uh, recent Champions League performances. So obviously, you know, Four Soccer Ventures and Orange Slices as an extension are part of the, the wider Philadelphia Union family with Richie Graham. So, you you know, we've adopted... Uh, the union as like our, our go-to team and team that we follow intently. Uh, what's it been like for you in the Champions League recently? Uh, it's great. I mean, it's been a great experience. Um, I'm obviously very sore and tired right now the day <laughs> after uh, a good result at home against a, a good Atlanta team. But I think for, for me, uh, it's just been incredible. You know, the effort from the whole team, 
being that it is our first time as a club in this competition, right? Um, so the way we've handled it and gone about our business has been has been very pleasing for me. Um, you know, to get a result away in Saprissa, a place where not many people get results uh, at, and then even in Atlanta, uh, I'm not sure what their worst loss at home has been, but I, I doubt they've lost three zero at home like they did against us. And uh, so just to to now be a semifinalist, you know, one of the best four teams in the region, you can say. Um, it's remarkable achievement for for us as a player, as a coaching staff, and as a club as a whole. So it's been great. Especially yeah, Mark. Before year. before you jump in, wait. Before you jump in, Mark. <laughs> I, I, I need both of you guys to tell me: Is Shabilko fast? Because he was beating people for pace in that Atlanta game. I mean, I don't consider him fast. <laughs> I mean, but he was he 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 beat he was he was behind the back line two times uh, to set up a goal and and, and score one. So yeah, he was just know. smart not to go on uh, Miles Robinson's side. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you see, placement. It's all about placement. You know, it's all about you know being smarter. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him fast though. No, no disrespect to Casper, but look, he's he's a striker. He's a hold up, you know, connect finisher, poacher, you know, whatever. But. He's not. He's not pacey. You know, leave that to Sergio. Sergio, he's got wheels. I give it Sergio. But hey, actually, while we're on the subject with, uh, with, with I knew that. this. You know, I knew hey, this was. Coming. You're actually, you're actually one of the few guys that have played with us both, and I am definitely more athletic than Mark McKenzie is. I can definitely <laughs> jump higher. I could definitely run faster, and he's just got this idea in his head that 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 that's a a non-starter. So you know, uh, don't let me down here. But like, you know, what 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 have you seen from your from your view? Oof, man, I would say, yeah, Mark, uh, Mark is a pretty damn athletic guy, man. So I think again, I'm putting up against you. Uh, I think he'll, I think he'll take you, you know, but I can oh still beat God. him. I can still win a header over Mark for sure. You know, look, I give it to Ale. Ale has got the time and down pack. Like this man, if you want to see somebody win a, like a, win a 50, 50 in the air, this guy, he, he does, the, he does that. He does that, you know. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm I sorry, I can't. Of- I can't compete with Mark in, in body. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. definitely more in the gym than I am. <laughs> That's nah, fair. Uh, it's good. I got twenty. I'm 22, bro. So look, we were all 22 at one point in time. You know, speaking of Mark being 22, um, what's it been like? You know, you're part of this project, uh, YSC Academy. The young guys coming through. It's really yeah. You have Dallas. You have New York Red Bulls and pipelines of players in those places as well. But like, you guys are the first that have really committed to. Uh, and seeing the fruition of like developing young talent, what's that been like for you as a veteran? Your role within all of that, and and kind of uh, you know having to constantly have these young players come through that need that mentoring. Yeah, no, it's been great. I, I think one of the first things that obviously when Ernie was here uh, and, and Chris was still here, uh, when they first told me about the ambitions uh, of the club, uh, kind of recruited me to come back uh, play here. Uh, they talked all about YC, how they wanted to integrate the young kids into the first team and then have somebody like myself, an experienced guy, kind of be that mentor, but kind of provide some stability and, you know, kind of uh, make Philadelphia respectable uh, competition competing wise in, in in the league i was just so thrilled with this opportunity you know and one of the first things i did when i first came here got to philly was to go check out yc academy uh see what it's like see what the kids are are dealing with what they're putting up with um over there and it's just remarkable you know what richie and, and those folks have been able to build there um I think uh, it wasn't the same experience that I had or you had going to high school, you know, uh, but it is remarkable how, you know, the academic standards that they have there and the, the, the ability that they have to, to train every day uh, with some great coaches. Um, 
And then, you know, it makes the job easier for guys like myself when they transition to the first team. You know, when I first got here, I would say that I complained a little bit about, you know, the level of like, tactical awareness that they had coming from there to the first team uh, level. You know, it's, it's a big jump, right? Um, and then, you know, we would talk about something that Mark, like, you know, he's a great example of somebody who's working, uh, who would stay after training was those like diagonal balls in training work. And, you know, in the modern day, you need center backs are, are making the games, right? Like you need them to step, uh, be able to play those balls in between the lines or be able to change the field of attack, you know, and, and hit ping those balls out wide. Um, and, and that's something that, uh, that Mark worked on tremendously. And he can do that now with both feet and, He's a guy that can play the ball between the lines. But, yeah, it's just been great being able to mentor guys like him and Brendan Aronson and other guys now. You know, it's like a kindergarten now for me. we got like uh, eight, I think eight or eight homegrowns now, I think, something like that. Um, you know, I just turned 34 and I'm playing with three kids who are 17 years old, <laughs> double double their age. But it's just uh, – it's awesome, you know, uh, uh, to – be taking this role you know mark can attest to it you know i'm not maybe the mo the, the guy that's always going to put my hand over their shoulder but i'm always willing to share my feedback or you know stay after training with them and work on some passing or you know shooting exercises and this like that um and then whatever they want to from me you know i'm always willing to give them my experience give them some feedback some advice and um it, it's it's been uh something that i've uh you know taken a uh like a, a pleasure in doing, you know. And it's giving some hard love too, which which I appreciate. You know, I think that's one thing that uh, a lot of young guys miss, especially coming up in the academy. Is you feel like you're the big ball, you feel like oh, I'm you're the big cat in in the bunch, you know. And then you get to the first team environment. And some, like, I'm not saying it's all guys, but but some some of the young guys coming through the academy they feel like they're you know I can s step right into the first team, seamless transition. You know, I know what I'm doing, this that, and the other. But like Ali said, it's, there's a jump. You know, there's a, there's a a space in between the the academy and and the first team level, and we all go through it. You know, I went through it, and the tactical awareness is something that that I really had to become a you know a, a learner of. You know, and and understand that the same things I could get get away with. You know, when I was in the academy, I can't get away with now. Guys are going to punish you on little mistakes, little body positioning errors, uh, a misplaced pass. Uh, you know, so, stuff like that. Lack of communication, um, those things like that, where. Well, you you don't necessarily have to do it, you know, because you can beat a guy in there. You can beat a guy on the ground. You can miss a pass and still make up for it. Um, so, so you know, one thing I appreciated from from guys like Ale, you know, even coming up, you know, with Mo and Gooch and all these guys in the locker room was, was that hard love, you know, and, and understanding that it's not always going to be pretty and you're not always going to get, oh, it's okay, buddy, you know, keep going. But you're going to get an elbow in the back like, yo, wake up. You know, and, and that's something that, that, that I appreciate most and, and it's, you know, helped me. And now in this environment in Europe, it's like, everybody's cutthroat you know what i'm saying so 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 that's a a big part of, of being that, that making that jump yeah i would say you know one of the things that's rare about having that experience is you don't always have that and it's getting there in in mls but you didn't always like it was in a lot of locker rooms it's still that familial type thing which is good and i'm sure you guys have that as well but the, those people now like Alejandro have come back and bring that experience. You got to bring that culture into a locker room, right? To, to build that culture for young players, you know, eight homegrowns right now. It's important for those guys to understand, okay, fine. You might think it's hard now, but wait until you grow naturally into the player that you could potentially be. And then you go into a harder environment in Europe, right? And that was a struggle, right? I came out of the university system. Ali came out of a, a, a university system and you go into a professional environment 
that no one's your friend, you know, and it, granted, we're both in Scandinavia. People are more friendly. It's a little more familial. But then you get into, you know, Rangers with you, Ali, like, you know, again, it could be it could be familial, but it's still there's still a demand. There's a pressure. There's people want your job. You're taking somebody's job and to understand how to deliver daily and that it's not just about the weekend. It's about training every single day. Um, I think that's a really important uh, aspect. And, and and for you, Ali, you know, talk to us about your upbringing, right? You, you, you have a family background in the game. What was on the TV growing up? What was the culture of soccer in your household uh, growing up in Florida, which is obviously a very multicultural spot and where, where, where soccer is a, you know, a, a big deal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously my, my grandfather played soccer and my father did as well. And they, you know, uh, had a little professional experience there, but, um, you know, growing up in a Colombian family, I mean, soccer just breathes through the, the whole family, you know? So growing up on the TV and my grandfather lived with us, you know, we had a guest bedroom and, and my grandparents lived with us and, um, he loved listening to the radio. Right. So, uh, whenever I had the chance, you know, he was probably a little bit deaf. So the radio was kind of loud. So obviously <laughs> it was natural for me just to always overhear all the, uh, the games on the radio. Um, and then we had a, a black box, which I, I don't know, Mark maybe doesn't know about it, but I'm sure maybe he had experience with it. And Mark, Mark's part of the era where everything is free. He was born <laughs> into like, he was born into the digital era where it's like YouTube is, is the black box now, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we had one of those, you know, set up that we could catch all the games from back in Colombia, and, and my father was really into um he was a big river plate fan um so we'd watch a lot of the argentine uh league there um and of course the the european games so you know i had growing up i had all those experiences just soccer 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 like non-stop and always uh going out to the backyard you know setting up a you know, makeshift soccer field with, uh, you know, either garbage cans or, or sneakers and whatever, and just kicking it around with my father and my grandfather. So I really grew up in that soccer household. Uh, so I just became passionate and just a natural love for the game there. What was it for me? What was it like in, in, in Florida? Because, you know, Weston is, I have, I have teammates who played, you know, at Weston, uh, guys who played at, uh, some other, some other Florida clubs in, in a, in a city or in a, state you know where where there's so many different people so many different backgrounds coming up in club football you know what what was your experience like in that uh because i i have i have guys who always talk to me about you know like josie for example he learned spanish by playing you know with these guys uh, for you what was that like yeah no i mean south florida where i grew up kind of uh was uh it's just a melting pot right incredible diverse multicultural uh area and on my team i had teammates from Pretty much almost all the South American countries represented, some Central Americans, you know, Haitian players. Um, so it, it was just amazing. You know, there's just a breadth of talent down there. It's incredible. Um, and and people who come from such places that are so passionate about soccer. So I was able to learn a lot. You know, obviously growing up in a Colombian household, then I had spoke uh, Spanish fluently. So, you know, most of my team in Weston pretty much spoke Spanish, you know, and then we had the gringos on a team, the white boys, uh, <laughs> the white kids uh, there, who, like you said, yeah, the Heaths, <laughs> who actually, they picked up Spanish. I'm sure he, you know, that's how Heath knows Spanish too, you know, and naturally. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just great. You know, uh, pretty much Weston became a club that kind of was representative of, of all of South Florida, you know, and we ended up picking up a bunch of the guys who were probably the best players in, in the area, you know, that covered, you know, Miami-Dade County, Broward County, and West Palm Beach, uh, Palm Beach County. So, 
uh, yeah, it was awesome growing up there uh, with some really, really talented players, you know, players that were a lot more talented than I was. But, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, kids, teenagers, you know, you get caught up in different things. And uh, for some, it didn't pan out. But, um, yeah, we just had a great team. And, and that was before Weston became, you know, one of those U.S. soccer academies and developmental academies. But I think we helped, obviously, uh, form that our play you know we, we won states a few times went to regionals and went to nationals a couple of times so you remember when that was the thing by the way remember when yeah. it was just about winning state and that was <laughs> like and then you could go on and take on these mythical giants that you heard about from other states oh yeah um, your parents would be in like big soccer forums and crap like uh, looking at the rankings of your your teams and yeah it's crazy that's wild so you know you obviously went to college for a few years. Your career started at uh, Odebro. How, am I saying that right? Odebro? Odebro? Uh, Odebro, maybe? With the, like Odebro. The there we go. Oh. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah, I've been. Something been, like that. Been, I can't even remember. Been in Sweden, yeah. But yeah, you know, you know your, your, your journey to start your pro career was similar to mine and maybe, maybe differently in, in, in other ways, but we'd love to know sort of why that was the decision. Was that the only decision for me? I didn't have, like, I thought I was going to go to, uh, and it was when the first year they went Generation Adidas. I thought I was going to have an opportunity there. It didn't happen. Got my chance in Denmark. And, and you know, it, that paved the way. What was it for you? And then from there, you know, your growth curve also was similar to mine where you went, you know, from being college player to being a pro to being a national team player very quickly. Um, was that always sort of your plan for trajectory? Or was it just like by any means necessary? Yeah, the fact that I was able to get a national team camp like so quickly after that, that was definitely not part of it. But I knew going to Sweden could help with, you know, it was a, like a stepping stone to get somewhere else in Europe. Um, but yeah, out of college, you know, Orbro actually recruited me out of uh, since my like sophomore year, junior year in college. And with MLS, you know, I never really considered it because I always had ambitions to go to Europe, you know? Um, and, you know, there was talks about MLS players, you know, it's kind of hard. They make it pretty restrictive in terms of allowing players to leave and they sign these long-term deals and they make it hard with imposing all these, like, um, you know, a, a larger transfer fee than, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not really realistic. Um, that was like the, all the talk back then. Right. And I didn't want to sign like this five-year deal where I'd be stuck in MLS maybe and not, be able to to go abroad so i just knew i wanted to go overseas right away and obviously in at bc you know charlie davis had played there before uh i was able to go my junior year that summer to sweden for uh just to get some training in to experience what it was like i ended up being able to stay with charlie for like a week and we all know how it is when you're with charlie probably over a weekend <laughs> you enjoy yourself and living in <laughs> stockholm was that was the life man i went in the summer and you know summer in sweden and denmark you know how it is heat it's it's beautiful and you'll find out what a summer's like in europe mark it's it's very nice uh, great time um so you know hey, as a young kid you know in stockholm sweden sun's out all day um blonde hairs everywhere you know it's you know, it's, it's decent. And, um, I just knew that that's where I, I thought I would feel very comfortable. And as Heath alluded to people in Scandinavia are just the friendliest, right. In Sweden, um, you know, they speak English very, very well. And it was, I just thought it would just be such an easy transition for me and I'm able to, I'll be able to get playing time right away and establish myself. And that's kind of how it worked out. And yeah, I was lucky enough. Rob Bradley brought me in to a camp, January camp. And, you know, I was able to leave Mark and, uh, I guess my career just started taking off. And then from there, you you went to Rangers. 
during what then became a very tumultuous period for them. You didn't stay too long, ended up going back to Sweden, and then going to Nantes uh, at, at that point. Uh, what was what was your experience in 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 France like? And do you think that was do you think you were playing some of your best football during that period? Yeah, absolutely. I think France, you know, was uh, was it was a great time to go. You know, at the same time that I went, you know, PSG had just made big signings. You know, like Slatan, Cavani, all these guys, Mota Verratti, and Monaco had just signed like Falcao, James Rodriguez, um, a bunch of big name players. So. Um, it was a good time to go over there, um, and it was a great step in my career. Um, but like you alluded to earlier, you know, when it comes to um, people's livelihoods and being into like a familial uh, locker room, France was not really that. You know, here I am as an American. You know, you're, you're kind of hear about all these stereotypes. Um, you're an outsider, right? Uh, it was, um, you know, they're very kind of introverted. So it took took me a while to come in. You know, it wasn't really until I scored my first goal away at um, Ajaccio uh, against Memo Ochoa, by the way. So that was decent. Um, but it wasn't until then where I really started coming really into the group and guys who could speak English that I thought could not speak English, that it could only speak French, started speaking in English and, you know, asking me about, <laughs> about the NBA. And, you know, they became, you know, they're all about the NBA. They loved NBA and this and that. So it was like, you know, I really, really had to earn my respect. And that's what I kind of try to tell the young guys now that, you know, don't take it too lightly coming in or don't be just satisfied with coming into the first team. Like, you know, it's another level, you know, like they've been caressed here a little bit. But, uh, you know, when you when you make it, you got to really prove yourself, you know, and you got to really fight for, for your spot because it's other people's livelihoods that you're trying to come in. Here I am as an American outsider coming into the French league. Oh, what do Americans know? Or they can't play soccer and this and that. And it was really, I really felt that energy kind of at the beginning, but then obviously I established myself. I worked hard in training. I was all about my business and I earned my respect and, you know, they saw that I could really play. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say that that was definitely some great years and the peak of, I, I would say my career, although I think I'm still playing some decent football nowadays, you know, and present presently, yeah. but um, I, I would say definitely, you know, France, you know, obviously I, it, it got me to the world cup in 2014. I played in the Copa America in 2016. And, um, you know, I think through that period, 2014, 2016, uh, I'd go out on a limb and say, I was probably one of the most consistent U S national team players during those years. Yeah, you still, you still, you still got a few skill moves in you. You know what I'm saying? You still got some, some. You know, me, me. Yeah, but Mark, this guy used to be so quick with his feet, man. You know, like you, yeah. you, 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 you miss some. You're, 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 you're getting like the mature, like you know, captain like playing with his eyes and his legs <laughs> together. But that man had some yeah, legs I just keep before. Simple now. I just keep it a lot more simpler now. Yeah. yeah. Winger, winger. Regular, you were a winger or outside midfielder, winger. You know, scoring bangers against PSG. You know, it's just it's calm. You know. Yeah. If I tried that, I'd probably pull my hamstring right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. I'll never. I won't forget the uh, the goal you scored against uh, Red Bull in the playoff game. And as soon as you scored, you celebrated, and then you started limping and <laughs> reaching for your quad. Oh my quad! Yeah, because I. <laughs> I just pulled my quad. I yeah, shut a quad strain like two weeks before, and it was yeah. Wait, was that was that at was that in Philly, right? Yeah, yeah. that was yeah, a playoff was, game. Yeah, I was when it was super rainy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at that game. That was that was crazy. Oh, that was uh, fun. yeah, that was great atmosphere too. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly. rocking that day. I was with a bunch of academy kids, actually Union Academy kids, that were going nuts in the stands, dude. It was, yeah, it was that, awesome. and, and for me, it was kind of cool to see because I never grew up with an academy or an affinity. I never had anything locally. 
And to see these kids growing up looking at you guys as, oh, I want to be them. It was just like a real way. They, they were like doing the whole like towel in circles and waving their shirts. And like, I was like, this is kind of cool that they look up to it and not, you know, there's, there was a period of time in the US where guys just wanted to be messy, right? And they still do. But like, because the world became globalized so quickly, a lot of young players didn't have a respect for their own first team guys. And now you're seeing these guys go, wow, I want to be, I want to be them. I want to make it there. And it was just a really cool, yeah, it was just a really cool thing to, like, I just, it just came to me, but it was a really cool thing to see and appreciate where the, how far the game is, is coming in the U S. That's really cool. I like that you bring that up. Yeah. Because I think that's, that's the next level. Right. And I think we see Quinn, you know, a player Quinn Sullivan that we have now in our squad. I think they're saying like, what, who was his favorite player? And he mentioned Tranquilo Barneta, who was a former player here in Philly. So like to have somebody like that <laughs> yeah. from the Academy, like, you know, that's a, that's, that's great. And that's awesome. That you build that community. I remember playing against Tranquilo in Germany and in uh, and against Switzerland. He was a good player too. Yeah, he's solid. I, I only got to play with him for a couple months, but you know he had injury problems at that age. With his, his knee was bad, but unfortunately. But. Let's move on to uh, the national team, right? So, you know, final camp for 2010. You know, and then picking yourself back up, getting into the final roster for 2014, and going to a World Cup. What was that? Like give us be give us like a look into your mind because for me I was part of that final camp for 2010 didn't make it made it till about you know I think three four games into Jurgen um, and then and then didn't get called back in and ultimately it's still one thing that I I wanted to to uh, you know I wanted to go to World Cup and during our era that was the big dream was like a World Cup at least for me um, sort of what was that like for disappointment and then to just continue with your progress, did you think there was ever a moment in doubt or you wouldn't get there or was it like back to business or was there any sort of process there? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, uh, that January camp before that summer, you know, that was one of my first camps in, in, in soccer right, with the U S soccer. And I think you were in that camp as well. And you were one of the older guys that I had looked up to and just say, hey, show me around uh, Manhattan Beach, you know, your Cali guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. It was surreal because that March, that was my first game with like the A team, the first team, right? And that was the first time I ever got to play with and, and be in training with guys like Clint Dempsey and Landon and, the, you know, the big stars I had looked up to and, and followed for so many years. And, and that was like so surreal. So like everything was happening so fast. And then here I am in World Cup camp, uh, preliminary camp, um, with all the guys who I had been watching on TV and kind of, you know, idolizing and this and that. And, and it was like a mix of emotions, right? Like I'm nervous, but I'm confident. And, and maybe I'm not as confident as I should be. And, and you get scared of doing things or doing the wrong movements or doing, uh, you know, like you don't want to arrive late to any meetings, any, any meals, nothing. Um, um, but yeah, it was just, uh, when I got that call, uh, I don't know if you remember when they started making the calls at the hotel that one night, uh, whether you were on it or you know going to be part of 23 or, or alternate and whatnot. Um, I got the call and it was just like, it didn't really sink in. I was like, okay, you know, um, I didn't make it, but you know, I was like, put everything in perspective. Like, damn, you've only been a professional for, you know, a short time and you already got this far. Like, I know I got what it takes, right? Like, I'm really, I'm so close. I'm still one of the, top 30 players in the country like that's pretty impressive still so it just it just motivated me to do you know to do more and, and 
you know, something really could have gone the other way. So, you know, it was like really that you're so close to making the roster. And, you know, I was, you know, supportive as hell from Sweden, you know, watching the team perform. But, you know, when, when you know, you see that goal scored against Algeria and stuff, like you just wish you were there just because, I mean, I went nuts in my apartment, you know, when that going in and just, you know what it's like to be in that locker room, to be a part of a team when in special moments like those, and you just wish you were a part of that, you know? But uh, yeah, I just, I just took it as more motivation. You know, I wasn't just content with making it there. You know, I was happy to be a part of it, you know, and we had a camp in Princeton and Jersey where that was nearby where I grew up, um, all this stuff. So, you know, it was upsetting that I didn't make it, but at the same time, it was like fuel to the fire. Like I'm so close. I know I can do it. Let's, let's keep it going. Yeah. What, what advice would you give Mark, who's now sort of embarking on his national team career? He's going to balance that now with a career abroad, obviously a lot of, a lot of stuff to consider. You know, one of the things for me, I never, I never really felt I was friends with all the groups off the field in, in, in the national team, but on the field, I never felt the same way that I did at my club team in terms of comfortable and feeling confident. I always felt like a tiny bit of doubt that I wasn't trusted or whatever. And, 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 a lot of that was on me, but also just never really grew into things that I knew I could do in my club team. I never felt that freedom or yeah, just that, 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 that the execution of that, I never really felt like unlocked. Uh, you know, what, what advice would you give to, to Mark who's just now starting with all that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And I think, you know, with Mark's generation now with the U S national team, I mean, the, the group is so young is a lot younger than before. Right. Uh, I think when I first came in, you had kind of almost like a hierarchy, right? Kind of established within the team. And I don't know if you have that now with, with this team, with the national team. Um, but if I think it, I would relate to what Heath was saying. Like sometimes you'd feel like, for me at least, coming as a newcomer, you'd feel like uh, uh, a little bit shelled, though, you know, because you don't really feel accepted right away. And um, it can be very, tr- you know, weird at times, especially under Jurgen sometimes maybe with – clicks for me, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. the Mexican Americans or German Americans, the Americans or this group and that group. And, um, it, it can be tough at times, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of egos, uh, you have to deal with. Uh, but the most important thing is, is just to show up and, you know, you're representing America, you're representing the crest and you got to do what you got to do to, to, you're there for a reason. You're picked by the coach, you know, to represent America and you just got to keep, uh, showing your worth and, and, and fighting for what you believe in. Just, you know, don't worry about all that other stuff, all the bullshit that maybe some guys get uh, caught up in, maybe, you know, within, you know, the clicky stuff and all that. It's just, it's part of it, you know? And um, yeah, that's the way I always handled it. You know, even if uh, I felt like somebody like may kind of look down on me or talk down on me, you know, um, because maybe of their own insecurities or they thought they were better than you, whatever it is, it's just me. I'm just going to keep working hard and proving myself to, you know, I don't have to prove myself to you. I got to prove myself to the coaching staff. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that, you know, and that's, I think that's, that's pretty much the mentality I've had, um, or tried to maintain. And it's always, it's always easier said than done. Right. You know, when, when you're in the thick of it, it's like, Oh, shoot, like, uh, you know, confidence, you know, I got to find my form, all this, that, and the other. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's been a grind, you know, just, just look through the national team. Now we have, I think at average age of like 23, you know, we got, let's see, it was like Tim Ream, who's on the other side of 25. Uh, John Brooks was on the other side of 25. Um, 
But if you look at the vast majority, Weston, Tyler, Christian, Serge, Gio, you know, all these guys, I'm just saying young guys, but we, we, we don't really have that that same uh that same age, you know, where where it balances out almost to feel like. So I think the the biggest thing that we have is the the competitive edge. You know, so got so many guys playing in so many different intense environments. I think that's what that's what, you know, each guy brings back to, to camp when we come together. So it's yeah, it's always uh, an interesting, interesting clash because uh, you have so many different styles. But but at the same time, everyone's fighting. And I think that's the that, that's an important thing to, to keep in mind going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, Ale, some of the things that we try anytime we have a guest to, to sort of you can't paint the picture. You just you're talking about Saprisa and whatnot, but you can't pick the picture of what it's like to qualify in CONCACAF. It's very hard. So do you, you know, especially, I mean, away, away games and the intensity, the atmosphere, the humidity, the refs, the field, the fans, the city. Do you have any stories to share with us of like your craziest CONCACAF or World Cup um, or, or, or national team experience that was just out of body where you felt scared or nervous or just unnatural or any of these things? Is there, is there one that comes to mind uh, to you? Yeah, actually, I think it was the one in Panama <laughs> uh, where, um, you know, the typical stuff, you know, that like, I guess the gamesmanship that occurs where at two, like, no, it was like two, three in the morning, the fireworks just go off a blasting for about 15 minutes straight, you know, and it's impossible. <laughs> you know, they wake you up and, and it's hard to go back to sleep, you know, once that's happening. And then there was a, a section of the hotel where there's like a, I guess like a pool area, a lounge area where you can go like outdoor outside. And they had, you know, I guess they knew where some of the rooms were and, you know, they're throwing stuff up there, banging the windows of the room. So, I mean, that's just like, so like, I guess, you know, what happens in some of these countries that can happen. And, and then you have, you know, kind of the bottles of urine that, that get thrown at you when you're walking out <laughs> of a tunnel, out of a game, you know, that would happen either in, in Mexico or Costa Rica. But um, I mean, you just learn to deal with it because of guys like be, that have come before you, they tell you those stories, right? And it's like what you come to expect. So it's no different, but, you know, I, I, as Heath alluded to, you know, I, I think, um, you know, they'll, they'll schedule games to play, you know, three, four in the afternoon against Honduras where it's crazy hot. And at that point, you know, like, yeah, I was born in South Florida, but I'm not used to that humidity anymore once you're playing in Europe and you're used to playing in like nice 50 degree weather, you know, and, and it's nothing. Come, you don't have that humidity in Europe. You don't deal with those conditions. You don't deal, you, you know, you have nice your grass is cut nicely in the stadiums here. You know, they're not going to cut the grass for you and it's going to be very dry. You know, you, it's hard to play your game and I'm not trying to make excuses, but those are just the elements you have to deal with, you know? So I would just, I guess advice for you is just not to be naive, right? Not to be too naive, expecting that everything's going to go so smoothly. Um, we all know we all get on Concord Cap refereeing. I've experienced it now firsthand <laughs> in this competition, uh, uh, Champions League. <laughs> But uh, it's just all part of it, right? And um, things you have to go through and deal with. And it, it's not easy, you know. Like any game, games have to be played, right? They're not played on paper. So you can have all these players playing in big clubs. But at these big clubs, you know, you're still, you're playing on nice fields and nice stadiums. And, you know, um, it's it's a lot different, man. I'm telling you, it's the closest thing to that Mike Tyson's everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face type of thing because you don't know until it happens, right? When you give up that first foul in a qualifier and the fans go nuts 
and the place just, you feel very far from home and you realize that you've just awoken the sleeping giant. Like there are, there are like sensory overloads that happen in these places that make you feel very far from home. They make you feel intimidated. They make you feel like, oh man, I'm going to simplify things. I'm going to make sure that I'm like super dialed in because there is a, there's plenty of distractions if you allow them to get into your head. And it's just hard to, you know, and and, and I'm sure Mark, you're having to deal with it too of like, how did the U.S. not qualify in 2018? It's so easy, you know, like you could take any team in Europe and they would qualify in CONCACAF and all these types of things that make it because the, the, they compare it to quality and not actually what it takes to, to qualify for a World Cup and the difficulties of, of that. And also just over the last 10 years, how much better everyone in CONCACAF has gotten because of Major League Soccer, because of like having more professionalized players around the world and things like that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm not making no excuses. It was still a debacle not to qualify. And, uh, you know, we can't be losing to Trinidad on that last game. But, uh, yeah, those are all things that come into to account that I think everybody just expects because we're America or have certain guys playing for certain teams that it should be a cakewalk. But it's that's not the case. But hang on. But before we move on, let's just not overlook the fact that Ali did play in the World Cup. All right. God does have... More caps than Heath. So, uh, how many caps do you have? I don't know, 64, 65, maybe. Yeah. Is that more than you? That's more than me. I got 35. You know what's crazy is like you look at these things. (laughs) I thought you had a lot more than that. Yeah. I I think I got it's, you know, it's weird because when I think back in my national team period too, and you had a long run where you were like a good three year, four year starter going through, you know, post 2010, like you had a, a, an, an amazing run where, like you said, you were one of those most consistent top players. Uh, my argument, by the way, is that 2008, I was the most capped U.S. player, but the U.S. soccer yearbook said me and Michael Bradley were the two most capped players. And I want uh, them to go in and correct that because it's not true <laughs> because I want, you I want, sold, like, let me, yeah, let me, leader. yeah, like, let, look, Michael's got a hundred, he's got plenty of caps. He doesn't, he doesn't need to take 2008 from me. <laughs> He, he can have all the rest of the years. He can you know have the I mean? rest of that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That guy started no, and every game he was uh, uh, like from his second cap on. I remember the first one is Ecuador uh, where he came on at like halftime. Ecuador when Landon Donovan had a hat trick at Raymond James in Tampa. And then from there, Michael started every single game forever. So why is he got to get all up in when he was in camp? You know, and there was a period in 2008. He, he, I had the most. I'm just. Yeah. I, I don't know Why who to can't talk he to. He let you claim, get that claim to fame, right? I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to kill trees. That. I'm not trying to kill trees and make them reprint all those yearbooks from that. But it was like the hundred year yearbook or whatever in 2010 they put out, and I I just need them to go on record and correct it. That's my <laughs> was, life's goal. I was waiting for this. I was uh, waiting. For- <laughs> I'll see if I can send some messages and see if I get that done for you. Thank I do, yo, I can't even get a happy birthday from USMNT on on Instagram these days. You know? Like they 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 they're giving it to some dudes that uh, you know what I mean? Like aren't aren't, you know? Like they're they're still handing them out. Like you get a cap now, you get a shout out. You get one cap, you get a shout out on your birthday, you know what I mean? Mark McKenzie's going to get shout outs. He hasn't even done nothing yet. I'm trying to get a shout out. I literally just want him to say happy birthday to me on my birthday, you know what I mean? Listen, That's man, it. I'll, I'll start I'll a hashtag. I'll start a hashtag for you. Get, <laughs> first, get Heath Pierce that 2008 uh, accolade, okay? And then two, get Heath Pierce a birthday shout out. Come on. Yeah. Come on, guys. I'll pull some strings yeah. for you, too. We can make it happen. We can make that happen. I did I did tell Michael Cameron that. I was like, hey, man, uh, I got to tell you, I was on a podcast, and I, I called you out saying you were the most difficult press officer I had to work with, um, but I meant it in a good way because like, you taught me a lot about media and things like that. 
you know, and my second point is, can you get me a happy birthday shout out? He claims that he could. And then my birthday passed. It didn't happen. So obviously, you know, you got I need up. I need more poll. And Alejandro's got almost 70 caps. I need that man to come through for me. Well, speaking of like cameraman in Costa Rica and like things you got to deal with, I, there's a funny story there actually in Costa Rica. <laughs> when we get on the bus straight from the airport and... Um, what year is this? And they're thro- they're throwing eggs at us, or uh, cracking eggs at the windows, rocks too, and and one of them like scares the living crap out of me. It's just literally, I sit down and boom, right there, and it splashes. You know, it's just a reaction. And my initial reaction, what was it? It was just to put my middle finger out there out the window, and of course, <laughs> the TV, dude. I get to the hotel room, turn on the TV. You know, all those TVs, they're, they're all, soccer is, is the number one sport in these countries. Um, and there it is. The freaking TV is there <laughs> with an image of it, still image. And freak, they highlight it with a round circle. Like, look, somebody flicking off the Costa Rica, you know, whatever, TV crew. And I mean, I guess I'm admitting to it now, but that they – you know, I don't think they knew exactly who was the culprit back then, but cameraman was me because you could tell by the hat that was in the Man. picture <laughs> that I was wearing. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, listen, if they don't know now, they, now they know. <laughs> uh, that's funny, great, man. right? Because, like, look, you're human. It's not like you're just thinking, like, uh, you know, you. It, it's a fight or flight mode you go into. And somebody does that, they scare you, they make you jump, you react, and then all of a sudden... Now it's on the. On it was the just a reaction, like screw you. It was like a motorcycle just right next <laughs> yeah. to the bus, and somebody caught that, zoomed in, and happened to catch that. It was hilarious, though. That's great. Moving on to like uh, MLS, like how have you seen the league change from when you passed on going when you started your career, kind of passing on the MLS opportunity to to now? Yeah, no, I mean obviously the quality has changed significantly um, with with the way. Uh, I would say the quality of play uh, in, I mean, the American players, and obviously with the new players that they're bringing in from Europe, but obviously from South, South America, you know, the influx of a lot of South Americans here in this league has, has really um, made the league that much better. Um, and even I even allude to when I came here, what is it, five, six years ago now, uh, when you see our team now, uh, the identity that we have, the style of play and, and and the quality of players that we have is a lot different than even back then. You know, I was struggling sometimes as a midfielder, you know, to get balls from my defenders, from my center backs at that time, you know, or guys that couldn't really know how to hit a diagonal ball. I like couldn't hit the ball with laces. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, how can you be a professional and you can't hit a diagonal? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's progress. It's greatly, you know, like I said, tactical awareness, you know, has gotten better. I think you see more identity of plays with certain teams, you know, that you really didn't see back then. Um, And I think MLS is now finally okay with being like a selling league, like realizing that it's okay to develop players and and sell them, you know, and not just to try to hoard them or um, expect ridiculous transfer fees that, you know, kind of puts your, some of your players in, in, in bad situations. Right. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad to be a part of it now. And, you know, I came back for several reasons and one of them was to be closer to my family, of course, when I had my child, my child and, um, people don't realize how tough it is, you know? And, uh, I think foreign people, when they come foreign players, when they come here, they, they see how the travel is a crazy issue. They, you don't have to deal with in any other country, in any other league, but, um, 
it's uh it's definitely gotten better you've been i mean you're the only captain i know at the union you know so i i i've seen guys change up you know as as they've gotten the band um whether it be you know a club ball or academy ball um for you personally, have you seen yourself like change as a person or player when you know you became captain, or have you kind of been the same guy from time? You know, it's you, you always been the jerk that you are, or what? You know, <laughs> I don't know. How well? How do you think? I want to hear how you nah, nah. what you for think me, of me as a captain. I mean, or what I'm like. I th- I, t- I already said my pe- my feelings, man. I I I I love Ali. You know what I'm saying? He's the he's the you know the hard loving captain that that I think. Our locker room needed, you know, some some locker rooms need the pick me up guy, but no, we needed that 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 edge. You know, he has he has some of that Philly, you know, that Philly uh, mm-hmm. edge, rough to around it. the edges. He, yeah, yeah, you know what rough I'm around like, like that. When, tough love it is, tough love it yeah, is. Yeah, you know, like when you need somebody to make a tackle, you can depend on Ale to put that tackle in or Font to lose his head. Like th- those are two guys you can depend on, and it's ironic enough because we were roommates at preseason, you know, so. So yeah, but yeah, but I think now, now I try to make a tackle and I don't even get the ball. But uh, I, no, I mean I don't know if it's I I'm think it's changed me a bit. You know, maybe I matured a little bit, um, like in the locker room because now you know, as you know, like in our locker room, I mean, we have 15. I think last time I counted, 15 different like countries represented. Yeah. So like a lot of different cultures, a lot of different egos, a lot of different personalities. So um, it's kind of cool, but I think uh, soccer has blessed me with the ability to travel the world. And, you know, in traveling, I've been able to pick up different languages. You know, I picked up Swedish when I was in Sweden. I picked up French when I was in France. Uh, Obviously, I can speak English and Spanish. And, you know, speaking those languages helped me speak like Portuguese. So I can relate to a lot of the guys and speaking languages, you know, with Olivia and Basel when he first came here and stuff like he didn't (laughs) speak any English. So I had to be all do all translation in French. And this and that. And then when Jacob Glessens came, you know, he's Norwegian. Not, you know, we can speak Swedish and Norwegian to each other because, I mean, even he'll admit his English isn't the best. But um, I think as a captain, I, I try to ha- have that that relationship with, with players where, you know, I like to have fun. I love to have banter. I love to play pranks and stuff like that. But when you whistle blows or when you cross those white lines, like I'm all about the business. And, and you know, I want to I want to fucking win more than I want. Than I hate losing. Right. Um, and you know, when sometimes I lose the ball stupidly or something like that, whatever happens or somebody gives it to me, like, I'm going to give it right back to them. You know, I want to get stuck in, uh, I'll prove myself. And still to this day, you know, we got all these young bucks coming up, but (laughs) if you want to play number eight, you better damn sure be a lot better than me. Cause I'm not letting you take it that away from me that easily. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, and that's just how I am, you know? And I think, you know, like you said, Fontana is like the other guy who has a little bit of bite in him and, you know, he'll do some stupid fouls like I would too. Oh, yeah. I love getting it in there and, and I love talking crap on the field. You know that too, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, when it comes to finishing at the goalies or when it comes with defenders or, you know, uh, I'll give them crap. Like, even if they get by me, oh, you're so lucky. You, you, you ain't getting by me again. Uh, you know, all this stuff. It's just all a mentality thing. And I think, you know, I think I try to, you know, be ex- an example of that, you know, as a captain. But, you know, I also can be that guy that, you know, after training, you know, if I mess up or uh, I feel bad for something, I'll come around and be like, yo, my bad. Or like I said, if somebody comes to me for advice or if I see something that they're not performing or they're not up to the task, you know, I'm going to let them know and I'm, I'm going to hold people accountable. And I'm also going to try to help them through things and see things the way I see it based on my experience. 
I like that. I got I got to say that since I retired unofficially, might make that comeback still. But since I'm uh, <laughs> I retired in the eyes of of many, now that I play like recreational sports, wait, who who holds your rights still? Orlando does. Orlando <laughs> holding them That's hostage. Okay. I always remember hostage. you always tweet them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, see, it's a brand. It's see, I made it into a brand thing. They should actually have to pay me because I'm making them. You know, up until this last year uh, when they made the playoffs, I made them relevant before that. You know, after being on such a bad run for so long. But you know, in recreational sports, like we play, all of us that are former pros that play pickup games and whatever, we talk so much crap that it's part of the, it's what we came from, right? But other people that have never been in those circles look at us like, man, you guys are like, that's, that might be a little too much. You guys are a little rough to each other. You know, like people go like, whoa. And I'm like, you have no idea what a locker room is like. Then if you think this is bad, you know, wait till you get on the pitch and you got young guys, old guys, you got 17 year olds or 35 year olds, 17 year olds that think they've made it, you know, like occasionally you got to eat a piece of humble pie. And sometimes oh, yeah. and Mark, and Mark experienced that in Philly, yeah, because that one <laughs> year where we had me, Charlie Davies, Maurice right. Adu, Oguchi right. Anyewu, like Chris Pontius. These are we are oh. all five guys that played each, with each other in the national team and were really good friends. Like it got personal. Some it got real right. personal at times, man. <laughs> right. I remember. I, I talk about it all the time, but I remember because uh, it was like a small side of tournament day. It was like five v five. You know, and you have four, all, all four teams playing at the same time. And I was playing against Mo, and he was on a breakaway. And I kind of, like, fouled him. I pulled his jersey, knocked him off a little bit or whatever. And I was like, ah, Bro, I swear to you, the next play I got the ball, I passed it to my goalie. Bro, at least three or five, three to five seconds after <laughs> I passed the ball, this guy, Mo, comes running through me, sends me flying, like, five, ten yards. He was like, sit down. And I was like, ah, okay, okay. Yeah. You know, I dust myself up. You know, and I'm still, I'm scrawny. And then we get in the gym. He's like, you see? See, this is what I told you. Stop playing with me. And they told but me to pick up some 50-pound 50 dumbbell, 50 dumbbells. I'm like, bruh. To be fair, by that time, though, Mo was already ripping out of his suits. Like, he was already... He was already on on a different protein plan than anybody else. So when he's going through you, that's an, that's that's an NFL that's an NFL linebacker hit. It's 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 something that I remember to this day. I think I still got grass stains on my skin from it. But like, it was so unnecessary. But it was something that I needed. You know, was, look as a young kid, you come in like, ah, oh, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, buddy, buddy. You know, nah, 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 nah. And also, I also told him earlier that day he needed some bigger clothes. So he was probably a little upset, <laughs> a little upset about that too. I do enjoy that part sometimes with some of these young guys, especially in preseason, you know, you get st- like, I'll tackle yeah. the crowd. You know, you wait for them to yeah. control the ball by the end line and they just come through them. Of and you just look at them. Hey, welcome to the first team. I like that. <laughs> That's how it is. I like that. Hey, uh, Ale, on a, on, a, on a more uh, serious subject, you know, oh, oh, one of the gosh, one of the biggest moments uh, for Major League Soccer over the past five years is when you yelled into the microphone, Congress do something now in gun violence. Did you ever hear from anybody in Congress when that happened? Also, I equate that to, you know, did you have that message prepared in case in case of, of that moment? Because like, I always thought about putting messages on my shirt, but I scored so rarely that I was like, I could go. <laughs> like, this messaging might actually be outdated by the time I score and take my shirt off and need to make a message, you know? Like, and, and then I would just be the guy in the locker room with Sharpie on his shirt for a message that's like a year and a half old. <laughs> Uh, that no one's talking about anymore. I mean, this is obviously a more serious subject with, with gun violence, but did you hear from anybody there? Was that a prepared message? Was it on the fly? I mean, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, it was definitely not prepared. Um, that weekend just happened to be 
the weekend where the shooting in Dayton happened. Mm-hmm. Well, the shooting in El Paso happened that Saturday. Yeah. And then on Sunday, it was the Dayton. Or I think it happened Friday night, El Paso, and then Saturday night, Dayton. Um, and Sunday, we played a game at D.C. And um, that was all that was on my mind, really. I mean, I opened social media, and that's what people were talking about. You look at the news, uh, even regular cable channels, you know, ABC, NBC, all those networks were talking about the shootings and covering it. Um, and, you know, previously, Mark knows uh, the par- about the Parkland shooting. You know, I grew up in Weston, which is pretty much a city right next to Park- Parkland. And we had a teammate who lost one of his best friends in that shooting. So this is something that I've... Uh, you know, I guess taking a passion towards the, 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 as a citizen, it has me worried, you know, about the amount of gun violence here. And I'm sure, Heath, you you do, you do experience it. And Mark, I'm sure you have in the locker room in Europe. Guys always ask me, like, what is it with Americans and guns and viol- the gun violence, right? So it's something that I always was like, had to kind of defend or like talk about or try to, um, I guess get them to grasp what what's behind it all, and but it's also embarrassing, right? It's like embarrassing. you, have, you constantly yeah, felt like you have terrible. to stick up for your country. They thought that all we did was drive by shootings, shootings, eat McDonald's, like all these things that came their way. It was always this thing of like, you know. And then it got to a point where it's like cool to be American, and people were so curious about American culture. But then we spent most of our time talking about these issues that they just never had to deal with or wrap their, even wrap their head around. Well, that was the thing. Yeah. It was, there are a lot of, you know, they're into Americana, right? Hollywood movies and TV shows and all this stuff that they binge watch and, and enjoy. But at the same time, they're like, what is going on? And I, I, I got just sick of explaining everything and defending, trying to defend my country and things like that. And, and I just got more involved into it, you know, reading about it, becoming more knowledgeable about it. And, uh, you know, after the Parkland shooting, I got more, even more involved. And then, yeah, I just happened to score a goal. Like, I, I don't score often, similar to you, Heath. <laughs> and uh, I didn't prepare anything. And I went over to that corner because the previous game, it was an open cup game, actually. We played in D.C. And that's where our away fans were, happened to be in that area. I ran over there and I saw Osinio's parents, actually, Osinio's mom and sister. Um, and I hugged them and it's just, it's just something struck me, you know, and I saw the mic at a corner of my eye, I went over there and said what I said, what came to my mind, uh, whether it was a premonition or whatever, uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, after that, uh, you know, moment went viral. I found out from the police officer field level, uh, it was like, by the way, uh, thanks for standing up for gun violence and the victims and, uh, you're gone viral. <laughs> and, you know, obviously my phone battery was pretty much dead from my phone blowing up, but, um. After that, you know, I had uh, Mary Gay Scanlon, who's uh, in the House of Representatives uh, here in, in Pennsylvania, reach out. I had a great conversation with her. Um, I ended up joining Every Town on their Athlete Advisory Council, um, which is a great organization. And, and now, these past couple of years now, I'm very actively involved with, you know, now with the city of Philadelphia, working together with their kind of a um, group violence intervention uh, group. Um, so just trying to, you know, make things happen here, you know, and, and help create a change and have an impact because here in Philadelphia, it's, it's only gotten worse. You know, last year they had a record, you know, a year and then this year already there's, uh, the numbers are, are just skyrocketing and, you know, I'm afraid to see what's going to happen with summer, uh, when the weather gets nice and more people out. And it, it's scary to think about the amount of gun violence that there is, that's happening, not just here in Philly, but across our country. And uh, I'm here to, to say that. Hopefully we can create programs and create more opportunities for the youth to, to not get caught up in that. Yeah. And, you know, obviously 
I don't know if that's played into anything you've personally done, Mark, but you as a young athlete have been very outspoken and very well-spoken about social justice issues that you've faced in your life, as well as what you're have you're seeing. And, and I respect, you know, you as well for, for sharing your platform as a young man, right? It's different for, for Ale, right? He's, he's gotten his money, he's gotten his things, he's got other things, but you have, have it's, it, you know, he's built and he's more mature, right? He, he's built out his world to understand where he fits into it and what he stands for. And also doesn't have as much, you know, maybe long-term to speak up and now polarize himself from people he doesn't want to be around. But you yourself also, you know, being as outspoken as you are, I really respect because anytime you do that, you put yourself out there, you, you become vulnerable and you also get in the crosshairs of people yet yeah, that don't matter, but do matter in the grand scheme of half of our country. Right. Um, or almost half of our country. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just wanted to point that out that I respect you guys both for, for being as outspoken as, as, as you are and standing up for the things that you, you guys believe in because look, it's, it, it, it sounds easy, but it takes a lot of courage, right? And it takes a lot of vulnerability to put yourself out there and put your name and your reputation on the line. That should never be a, a question of whether or not that's on the line. But unfortunately in this country, you know, anytime you make a statement, uh, for right or wrong, you're, you're, you're putting yourself out there. For sure. For sure. And, uh, sure, and Mark is one of the he's wise beyond his years. So I'll tell you that much. No, well, he's not that he's not that wise if he thinks he's faster <laughs> than me. You know, uh, I don't know why he's still caught on that. I don't know why he's still caught on that. But no, it's it's because you know guys who who came before me. You know, guys like Ali and you know these leaders in the locker room who who have given me you know the the space to to kind of find my own voice, my own channel, my own path, um, and, and supported me. You know, in whichever ways. You know, Ali was a big big voice in the locker room. You know, we were going through the social justice back in, in, in MLS last season, uh, specifically. You know, he, he was a big advocate and, and made sure he, he was that bridge, you know, for everybody to understand, you know, both sides of the spectrum. Um, so, so big credit to, to Ali for being, you know, as outspoken as he is, you know, and, and supportive and, and the kind of leader, you know, that, that we could lean on. So, yeah, and look, somebody, you got to make a stand in order to, to make change, right? So, so that was a, a an instrumental moment, you know, a monumental moment, you know, for, for a lot of us, you know, and the, you know, speaking into the mic, I don't, I don't even know if that would have popped in my head, but, but, you know, to have that, have that come to the mind, you know, to, to think about somebody other than yourself in that moment, you know, you score a goal and it's like, yeah, it's about me, but, but nah, you know, he grabbed the mic and, and, and said something bigger, bigger than himself. So. But yeah. that, that goes back to leadership, right? You were, you've been captain for, I don't know how many teams at different moments. And that's, that's, that to me is the sign, right? You have captains that are quiet, lead by example, you have verbal captains and whatever, but then you have even that next level of somebody who like in that moment captures that moment to, in, and without it being planned, that doesn't just lead your team, right? That's, that's like, that's a viral moment that that's leading athletes and 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 people who are quiet and don't know where they fit in and want to say something to know that somebody of your platform uh is doing that when it matters most Ali, is is amazing um and i respect that hey mark you want to you want to you want to hit this guy with some some uh quick uh closing rapid fire yeah, yeah, yeah let's let him it, we'll let him get on let him get on his way you know I, yeah. I and that's how i know by the way that he's coming off of a game is that he he planned the timing around this second half of a Champions League game <laughs> to record this. And that's when you know he's still in athlete mode because he's like, yo, like, this is my window, man. Like, I'm, I played, I'm tired, rest, family, all this stuff. And I appreciate you giving us uh, the time, Alejandro. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, it's, uh, it, it means a lot to us to have you on. Yeah, I totally forgot about Champions League game. 
That's when I know you're in game mode. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, yeah. you don't, you don't realize, uh, you don't realize it. Um, but you're, you're focused on. Who won, um, by the way? Did you, did, did Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. Christian had an assist. Second goal. Oh, yeah. nice. Uh, Check out the highlights. Yeah. But yeah, I'll so, hit you with some, some rapid fire questions real quick, lightening up. Uh, any trick questions or something? Nah, 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 nah. Straightforward. It's calm. It's calm. It's calm. It's calm. Nothing crazy. So, all right. Just first thing Seriously. that pops to your head, you know, nothing, nothing okay. too deep. Uh, your favorite player of all time? Uh, Zidane. Okay. Your favorite U.S. men's national team player of all time or teammate, you know? Uh, I would say Dempsey. Okay. Gotta go with Dempsey. Damn, I was second again. <laughs> you know, second again. Quit a tight second, but I'll take it, you know. <laughs> all right. Pineapple on pizza? Yeah, yeah. Thank I'm you. Colombian, you know, Hawaiian pizza, Hawaiian, yeah, Hawaiian yeah, yeah, pizza. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, and last thing. They like that in Scandinavia too, Heath, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. You know, no, bizarre. It it's a bizarre thing to like. It's not a bizarre thing. But until you thing. try it. That's exactly, it, until you try it. Yeah. Until you try yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pineapple and ham. Great combo. Great combo. For all those listening, make sure you try it out. It's not bizarre. Try it. Uh, and last question now. We have a, a public Spotify playlist. So having all the guests throw on a song of their choosing. It could be a song you felt when you were in the locker room, when you were playing uh, in 2008. It could be a song you're feeling now, uh, you know, whatever you're vibing to. Something you play in the house. It, it doesn't matter. But but what are you feeling and what do you want to throw on this playlist? Because we got a wide range of stuff right now. We got Blink-182. We got Meek Mill. Yeah, we got Biggie. Yeah. Blink-182. Wow. That yeah. was Jay. That was oh, that was that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's it's one of those songs that you you go on the playlist, you know, and it goes to that one. Everybody goes, "What?" Oh, the? And then there is a J and 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 a, and a Stu Holden dancing to it, really excited. And people are like, "All right, cool." That lightened the mood for this game. We're good. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. What did Stu? Definitely some dance techno Euro song, right? Yeah, Zed Clarity. Yeah, yeah. Zed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Clarity. Yes, I remember that. Yes. <laughs> That is a nice song. All right. I'm going to have to go with, I got to go with some reggaeton, right? Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys have a reggaeton song on the playlist yet. I don't think but, so. But uh, anything J Balvin or the one song I really like, Danny Ocean, Mere Uso. Ah, yeah, Mere Uso, yeah. Danny Ocean, Mere Uso, yeah. Okay. Go with that. But yeah. Cool. But well, that's it, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, you taking the time, the technical difficulties, making time for us in, during a busy time of year. Um, and obviously, you know, Given uh, spitting some wisdom for 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 Mark and and I, we appreciate you you jumping it's on. Great man, it's always good to catch up. Mark, you got to say what's up to my boy Yede. Yeah, man, I'm, Yede. He, he always do you kick it with him, him at all? Or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he, yeah. he he's got his kid. You know, he's got yeah, his kid, he's so more a family kid. guy now. Yeah, his kid keeps him on the run. You know, always at the park and stuff. So and I'll tell man, him so. Those the good old days. Yeah, just go over and eat his ass in Madden or FIFA. <laughs> Uh, all, he loves American football. That's all we talk Heath, about. Heath, remember those Call of Duty days too online? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Man. That is crazy. So that is it, Mark. Good game, man. Oh, great game. Well played. Well played. Hey, we, we're getting a little bit on the late end for you over there. So I appreciate you uh, making time for us, you know. I see you starting to doze off. I thought you were a night owl, you know. Like, if your gamer friend saw you with this type of, uh, you know, fatigue... I'm wondering if you're going to get invited for any tournament play with them. Listen, man, you can't do a late night shift every day. You know, sometimes you got you got to tap in early. You got to get it. You got to shut it down. So, you know, like they, they, they know they know who the MVP is. They, mm-hmm. they know who 
who's the the the, the game changer, the catalyst, you know, for the the, the war zone victory. So that's that's not even a question. I like that. I like that. Well, that was a fun conversation with Ali, man. He's he's such a well-rounded individual and good to have him be, you know, we know a lot of well-rounded individuals that are relatively quiet and to know that he's using his platform to do so many great things. And we didn't even get a chance to talk about like his art interests and his hobbies and where he wants to get into the game. So hopefully we can have him back on to to talk about all that stuff because he's such just such an interesting guy that's made so much more of his career than than caps with the national team or you know a contract with his club teams and all those things he he's, he's really accomplished a lot more as an entrepreneur and all that stuff so that was a fun combo man no great combo he's he's well diversified well diversified and somebody who, who has to talk to well that's it for us uh again we appreciate all of you guys we've had such a fun run so far our numbers are continuing to grow because of you guys we appreciate you tuning in uh, every single week when we have the episode and uh, until next time uh, goodbye from Mark and I peace <laughs>